Hello everybody and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. I'm so grateful to have the privilege of being able to reach out to you um, at, uh, at this specific time in this way. I know that so many of our congregation who would normally be here uh, at the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas are in a shelter-in-home mode right now and I want to greet you and let you know that we are praying. I am praying for you. I'm declaring the blood of Jesus over you. I believe that God is preserving us, and he has, and will continue to do so. Uh, this coming Saturday is first Saturday, and we are uh, we're going to be uh, focusing on the fast of feasting, because this is the fourth month. This is the first day in April. Can you believe it? And um, we are believing that uh, we're not going to be thinking of of the the fears and the prognostications of the world that are really driven to inspire terror. And uh, you know, there's a difference between cautioning people and warning people and just giving a, a head count and predictions of that no one would be able to really know. Hundred million people dead, those kinds of things. That's shock factor. And we need to view this accordingly. It doesn't mean that we um, that we ignore the regulations that are there for our good. You know, I know that there are some across the country who are advocating that we engage in civil disobedience. There's a guy up in Pennsylvania that I have never met, but have heard, who is threatening to have an Easter service outside uh, on sun on Easter Sunday. You know, I'd like to have an Easter service. I'd like to have a Resurrection Sunday. But then again, you know, why why do that? What good would that do? What testimony would that bring to the world? I mean, we're not being asked to deny Christ. We're not being asked to burn our Bibles. We're not being asked to destroy sanctuaries and not meet ever again. That's not what's being said, even though I do believe that the enemy is watching this very, very carefully because he's seeing how he can then revisit these same things for more nefarious purposes in the future. Don't think he's not doing that. But, you know, to me, we need to provide a good testimony. We're still able to pray. We're still able to reach out. We're still looking forward to the time that this passes. But we don't want to give our enemy fodder. I mean, they're already accusing the president of being a tool of the evangelicals. If you read the New York Times op-ed this past week, that's directly what they were saying. So the world and the media are looking, not all the media, but a good portion of it, are looking for ways to disparage Christianity. So why should we go on the war path over something that is not war-worthy? I don't understand that. Choose your battles or else you're going to lose them all. So I'm grateful that we have the privilege of being able to reach out to one another, and uh, we're trying to keep abreast of how our people are doing, and, you know, we're praying, and you're praying, and we're just believing that God is going to um, do what he wants to do through this time, that it's going to be a quick thing, and that we're going to be able to emerge from here in great victory and in great um, uh, redeeming of the time. But, 
you know, let's let's just be wise. Yes, I believe God's protection. I'm not hovering in a corner, shaking in fear. We're enjoying the presence of the Lord. We're still being able to laugh and and appreciate Him. I know that there are people that are suffering, because because they are doesn't doesn't mean that we all need to be just quaking and quivering. We pray that God will bless the people that are on the front lines. We pray that God will bless the medical community and the first responders. We pray that God will bless those who are in need right now and that he will awaken a hunger for him in them. That's what we're praying for. But it doesn't mean that we should that we should quiver and and think, oh, woe is us. See, the enemy wants to merge those two things. He wants us to become so intent on the challenges of the day that we lose our delight in the Lord. We rebuke those types of miscarriages of of our thoughts, and we proclaim his victory, God's victory. Uh, We are in his plan. We are in his purpose. We are a people that are called by him to accomplish incredible things for the kingdom. We are a people, the saints, who are who are God's representatives on this earth. God loves the church, but there are various dimensions of the church. If you don't believe that, read what Paul read what Paul the apostle and others wrote. There are some that are babies. They want to stay that way. They have need of milk. Some have itching ears. Some are seeking after seducing pathways. Some don't want to do the work of the ministry. Some don't want to progress to be servants and then heirs and then joint heirs. We are not automatically all of those things. We have to progress in God. Jesus told his disciples, you know, there's many things that I could tell you right now, but you're not able to receive them. What a scathing indictment. I don't ever want God to say, you know, I really, it was my will to tell you some things, but you've not been paying too much attention. You know, you have to have people do all your homework for it. Instead of seeking me, you have to hear what everybody, all the oil salesmen are selling. God forbid the saints would ever be in that situation. So I know that we need to come in alignment in prayer on this first Saturday and through the days that are coming and say, Father, I am not going to feast on the wisdom of the world. I'm not going to feast on what man says. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not going to be influenced so that I'm a person of fear. I am going to be a person of faith. I'm going to be wise as a serpent harmless as a dove, but I'm going to be someone who is at the ready to commune with my God. So take advantage of this time. Take advantage of what God's given you. It's there for a reason. And again, this won't be the first such calamity that comes. You know, read the Bible and see what God's prophesied about what is coming. Yes, he's with us, but This is an opportunity for us to grow and to become deeper in God than we've ever been. And so the passage, the study we want to look at, and hopefully you've got the the teaching uh, accumulation of verses that should be attached to the file here. The passage that we're going to launch off from 
is one that Monica mentioned during her Sunday school class this past weekend and that so many of us are relying on in this time frame. Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the, the Almighty. This is a wonderful passage of Scripture. This is a wonderful thing. And um, I, I think that we need to see that um, we need to see that this is speaking about El Elyon. This is speaking, which is the high places, God establishing us in power. And, and it is also speaking about the Almighty. And we need to remember back to what God was saying to us regarding the, um, the words uh, of the names of God. Um, Almighty is El Shaddai. And um, that's him walking with us through the valley. That's him walking with us through the times of his, uh, his leading and teaching us. So you have those two that are there. Our study today is on the secret place, so I'm not going to delve into this whole chapter. But the, at the very beginning, it says, God is leading you through, he's teaching you, he's training you. That's Shaddai. And you are established in a high place in God. Be that. Learn. And what is the secret place? Well, the secret is Sather, and it it can be used for good things. It can be used for not so good things. And this really speaks to a capacity which is in every human being to either be um, creative in a positive sense and um, pursuant of something in a good way or it can be that you are deceptive and that you are nefarious in your intent and that you're going to get what you want by whatever means you, you, you need to pursue to get it. There are negative applications of this word in the Old Testament, many of them. And among them are adultery, enticements, backbiting, slander, bribery, payoffs, stolen bread and stolen things, and murder. That is the way this word, sather, is used. Now let's, before we get into the good things, let's look at just a couple of the negative things. In Judges 3, verse 18, you remember the story of when Ehud went and killed King Eglon, the fat king. And uh, you can read about it. That's what the Bible says. So don't think, oh, he's talking about fat people. You know, it's funny to me how people get so offended by nonsense. The Bible says that when Ehud plunged the it plunged the knife into this king that the folds of fat enclosed the knife and you couldn't even see it. Now that's fat and that's God saying it. That's not me. I'm just reading the box score. But he he went and he killed this king through a measure of sather used right there. In 2 Samuel 12 verse 12, according to Nathan the prophet, David's 
plan with Uriah the Hittite and Bathsheba was conceived in Sather, secret. And you know what? Of all the principalities that are listed in the scripture, the one that is associated with Sather is Behemoth, which stands against truth and sonship. In Job chapter 40, verse 21, Behemoth lieth under the shady trees in the Sather of the reed and fens. There is a secret dimension to purpose. There's a secret dimension to those who would be sons. And it, it, it has to do with you taking the purpose of God uh, that is creative, that is pursuant, that, dare I say, is romantic, that, that covets after the best gifts um, and um, wants to achieve the things of God no matter what. Um, I, I think that God was, would really want us to recognize that the purpose of God places that capacity in us so that we can partner with him in a one-on-one -on -one creative, romantic, uh, exploratory way. And as is so often the case, iniquity is twisted purpose. That capacity that God gives for us to know Him and be created with, creative with Him can easily be turned to these wicked things. And you, you see them all. It's, it's trying to get something that you want and finding a way by hook or crook to get it. So the secret place of the Most High God dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty. The key to this whole thing is you uh, finding that capacity within you and communing with God in it. As for the sprinkling of the blood over that, that capacity and ask Him to forgive you for the ways that you've used it wrongly, and I believe we all have. I mean, you may not have murdered anybody or bribed somebody, but, you know, those are, those are um, worst-case scenarios. I mean, you don't, the person that does that didn't just hop out of the crib and start doing this. I mean, it was a, it was a lifelong skill set that was developed. But the point is that God wants to use those capacities, those creative capacities, those indomitable capacities for the good and to meet with him. Now, the enemy, you know, he uses behemoth, which is that uh, dimension of chief of the ways of God, that, that, um, that way to, to corrupt mysteries and to bring about a beast-like function. Um, the enemy is, tries to use, obviously, the, the, the sons of darkness and to develop these capacities because the enemy said, I will be like the Most High. I will be like Elion. He tries to. And so he puts these princes of darkness in positions where they function as humans, but to serve the wicked intents of the enemy. So it makes perfect sense that Behemoth 
would be uh, the one that is equated with Sather. However, we, we will serve our God and we will commit our ways to him and we will, we will dwell in that kind of relationship with the Most High, a positive, creative, proactive way. So let's look at some positive applications of this word, certainly not all of them, but I cherry-picked a few of them, and we'll, we'll look at it here. In 1 Samuel 19, verse 2, Jonathan told David to sather himself from Saul, and that Jonathan would come, and they would meet with one another, and you know the story of their friendship. This is when Saul was trying to kill um, David, and um, Jonathan really um, understood the need to be creative. Now, let's look at the days of Elijah. We said that from Malachi 4, that in the end time, the days of Elijah would be uh, with us, and that the, the, the sons and the fathers would flow together uh, in power. But here, during Elijah's uh, prophetic ministry when it first began in 1 Kings 17 1 through 9 Elijah the Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand there shall not be dew or rain these years but according to my word and the word of Yahweh come unto him, came unto him saying get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that hide thyself is Sather, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So we went and did according to the word of Yahweh. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land, and the word of Yahweh came unto him, saying, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So Elijah began his public ministry by Sather. He proclaimed what God said, and then he hid himself. And God provided him in the midst of that hiding. Now, when the brook dried up, God told him where to go, and he went for that miracle with the woman and her son. You know, I have just enough meal here for my son and I, then we're going to die. The kid must have been sickly because he died soon after that, and the woman came and said, what did you do? Work this miracle so that my son would be killed? And Elijah asked that the boy be alive again, and the, the, the child came back to life. And this must have gone on for three, this kind of thing, not the kid dying and being <laughs> resurrected again. <laughs> Put that in the Guinness Book of Records. Most times dead and resurrected. But, you know, this the key to this is, is him prophetically hearing what God said and then being specific to obey and to sather. And we don't have the record of what all he did during those years because the next chapter just kind of goes into, you know, many days passed and 
then you know uh, then comes the 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 finality of what god was doing so for me though the days of elijah have to involve us knowing how to sather and again it doesn't mean that you're just all nestled away in little bunny cove and god's just watching over you you know this is some powerful stuff so the, the, to understand the secret place is going to be a key. And I believe that as we look at this a little bit further, you're going to recognize you've already been doing this. But in recognizing that you are Sather before the Most High God and Shaddai is teaching you, that is where you come under the covering of the Almighty. I've said this before. We are on a mission. We, we have a movement that God has ordained. It's crucial for the end time. We are pioneering as saints, and we need to keep pressing into God, remembering who God has called us to be and being that. And as we do that, I believe that the miracles are going to be compounded, but it's going to go from place to place, from time to time. And we're going to need to know how to seek God and become creative in Him. Okay, let's look at some divine applications of this. Psalm 18, 11. God made darkness His sather place. His pavilion round about Him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. So the first thing we want to see here is that um, darkness is a safer place. Do you see that? God hides himself in the darkness, but it's for safer. The darkness is waiting for light. It's, it's an invitation for the creative. And so this is where how God hides. It's not just that he, that he comes in a big cloud of darkness and nobody can see him. Um, it's, it's that in the midst of darkness, he is, um, he is revealing his hidden secrets. You know, he's communing with you, and he's whispering what he's doing in, in segments. It's, it's romantic, it's the journey, it's the partnership. So we have to see that when God is dwelling in darkness, it's what's he doing in there? Sather. You were made for this. Psalm 139, verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, in Sather. You were made in Sather, curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Now, what does that mean? Now, that doesn't mean that you were harvested out of hell, although I've wondered about some people on the earth, but that's a different story. Uh, we were created from the dust, and that was so we could partner with God. But this earth, we were made to function with God on this earth. And when, when God, first, his substance was not hid from, our substance was not hid from him, he knew us from the foundation of the earth. We were made in Sather. This was God's unique plan. This is God's creative plan, which defies the logic of mankind. 
and we were curiously wrought for the purpose of serving God on this earth. And um, I don't want to go too far with that, but the point is, is that uh, God knew us from the foundation of the earth. Other verses tell us that. And we were made in Sather. So you were made for this. Some people say, oh, I don't like, I don't like having to be always seeking God and finding these things. I'd rather just have things so simple for me. I'd rather just have somebody tell me what to do so I can feel like I'm always winning. Well, you know, we came out of that. And um, God wants partners. He doesn't want peons. He, he wants romance. He doesn't want robots. He wants you to, to know him and to explore the measures of his heart. So let's look at his presence. Psalm 31, verse 20. Thou shalt hide them in the sather of thy presence from the pride of man. You will keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. You know, let's read the next verse and we'll talk about it. Psalm 32, 7. You are my sather. You will preserve me from trouble. They shall compass me about with songs of deliverance. That thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Silah. You know, God is wanting us to commune with him in these days particularly. He's fine-tuning this. And there are people that don't like Christians. There are people that detest the saints. There are people that are operative uh, for the for the work of the enemy. And um, God is hiding us from their nefarious uh, intent. And he's, he's watching over you in the time of trouble, but you have to see that it's not just hiding you. It's Sather. It's you communing with God and hearing him. Um, Let's look at this. Love and commune. Song of songs. Or Song of Solomon. Cantique de cantique. 2, 14. O my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock, in the sather of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. That's a word we don't use very much anymore. Comely. But, you know, the thing is, is that if you're going to commune with God and be a lover of God and just cuddle up with him, he's not just telling you how sweet you are, even though that may be all the people here. He's wanting to engage in Sather. You are, you've, you, you're hiding in, under the stairs with your dove in the clefts of the rock. He's not just going to tell you, oh, you're just so sweet. I just love you so much. Oh, come near. Let me hug you. Let me kiss you on the cheek. Oh, you're, let me give you a sloppy wet kiss and write a song about it. He, what's he doing there? It's Sather. It's Sather. Do you see that? God wants a partner. He doesn't want a trophy bride. He wants a partner. You're not walking around a big flowing white wedding dress. You are, you are serving God. You are in the battle. You are, you are dark yet, yet lovely. So this is great 
To me, I love it. I, I love it. Look at this. Psalm 81, 7. Thou called to me in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you in the sather of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah. Selah. We talked about that uh, recently when we talked about the obstacles that the enemy throws up. In fact, I think that was last Wednesday night. When the enemy is trying to block us, what have we learned about thunder, voices, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes? When you are caught up through, your voice is lifted as an intercessor and you're caught up in the winds of the Spirit through contrition into the secret place of thunder, when you are being generated with the assignment of God and with the power of God for, to be as lightning, as arrows, as suns, what is the generating Influence for that static, that divine static? Sather. Sather. This is great. For a pneumonicos people, for prophetic people, for an interpretive people, we need to see that this is really what God has been training us for. The shield of faith in His Word Psalm 119, 114. Thou art my sather and my shield. I hope in your word. You know, the shield of faith is what God tells us at his right hand. And we take that word and we, we are, we are in, infused and enthused by the sather that God speaks to us there. So from the secret place of thunder, we're not only empowered, but we are, we're equipped for battle. We know his word. We know what he has said. And we, we're, we're shielded on behalf of that. I love that. Look at Psalm 61.4. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the sather of thy wings, kanaf, silah. I love that. What did we study about uh, uh, in Malachi where the son of righteousness is arising with marpe in his kanaf? That, that the wings are the hem of his garment. The wings are the train of, of the Lord's garment. The, the, this kanaf is our our assignment, what we represent, but also meticulously laid in the place where God has placed us. And we welcome heaven to earth there. And this is this is a glorious thing. I, I'm I just I thank thank God. Here's a connection with the tabernacle. We are the tabernacle of David. And we go forth in obedience to establish God's dwelling places. And we trust in the fact that the hem of his garment is there. We trust in the fact that others are wanting to come and lay hold to the hem of our garment and say, we will go with you. We will, we will speak uh, what you speak. We've heard God is with you. Those are biblical promises. But the only reason that we're going to have that is when we are hearing from God, obeying him, and trusting in what the sather instructed us to do and to be in those wings. Do you see that? Uh, also the tabernacle, Psalm 27, 5. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. 
in the secret of his tabernacle, in the sather of his tabernacle, will he hide me. He will set me upon a rock. Wow. That's, that's terrific. He, he's going to hide us in the secret of, of his tabernacle. I just think that is so... The, the tabernacle is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, um, you know, we, we just need to recognize that we are we're doing what, what God has said for us to do. And, you know, the pavilion, really, there's, there's nothing mystical about that. Um, I, um, it just means kind of like a hut or a dwelling place. And in the midst of your assignment in the tabernacle, people didn't live in the tabernacle. You know, the tabernacle was going. I mean, you, you had to be living outside and then come into it. You know, the tabernacle didn't have apartments. Okay, you're in apartment 1-3 in the tabernacle over there. Uh, you know, that that's, that's not it. So the pavilion is really kind of a dwelling place for you personally. But... Um, but in the in the sather of his tabernacle, that assignment, that's where we are hidden. And we're partnering with God in that way. So, you know, I was thinking about maybe aligning these with the seven spirits, the ways of God, and I pretty much lined them up this way. You can play with it during your study, but, you know, what God wants to do, what he's ordained, how he's created us to partner with him in grace, how we we walk with him and glean um, him as intercessors. It just all lays out here. But that capacity of the sather is something that is in all of us. We, in the, wor in the world, they use it for selfish, prideful, lustful things. The, the enemy uses it. But we need to become creative with it. Now, let's look at page four, and now page four. Um, Sather is from the verb, sitar, the verb sitar, meaning to hide. And it's interesting, these, these verbs that, these, these words that come out of a root that's a verb, it, it's, it, it should show us something. This needs to be active. You know, we think about being hidden as being dormant. Don't make a sound. Don't make a sound. We don't want the enemy to see us. Okay. Ixne on the octe. Um, do they have pig Latin in France, Luke? I do not understand this pig Latin. You know, we, we do that pig Latin business. I don't know when it started, but um, you you just take away the, the first letter and then you say the rest of the word and then you take the, the first letter and put it on the end and say A on the end. And it, it takes some practice. But, um, you know, the, the, the main thing, though, and I, I digress, obviously, is that, um, that being hidden in God in this way doesn't really mean that you're not doing anything. It is, it is an operative function where you are allowing God to develop this capacity to hear from him and to be creative and to embrace his mysteries 
and to go about doing things in a way that is prophetic. That's what Elijah did. That's what David did in a good way and in a bad way. That's what God says in his word we're supposed to be doing. Sather, as we go to the high places and as we uh, move with uh, Shaddai being trained. But as I said, Sather comes from a verb, setar, and it means to hide. And we want to look at this because this explains something further that I think that I know we all need to see. God hides his face. Isaiah 8, verses 16 and 17. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait upon the Lord that hides Sitar, his face, from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Now Isaiah says, I'm going to wait on Yahweh, and I'm going to look for him, but God hides his face from the house of Jacob. Now, doesn't say the house of Israel, says the house of Jacob. And I want you to see what this is saying here. Throughout the Old Testament, we have a lot of times where God hides his face. And, you know, that beautiful song, I, I will search for you. You know, uh, you, you hide yourself. But really the word there is this root of what we've been talking about with Sather. Now, Jacob was deceptive. He was crafty. He was a supplanter from the time coming out of the womb. I mean, so much of what he did demonstrated the negative aspect of what Sather really should be. And so when God would come to the people of Israel and would want to engage in this measure of Sather, which we see over and over again, this is what God wanted. He wanted people to be hidden in the cover of his wings. He wanted them to be walking in the word and in the shield, the secret place of thunder, the secret places of the stairs, the secret uh, hiding places when you're in battle, the secrets of the tabernacle, the secrets of the prophetic. God wanted this. So it wasn't like he was playing hide and seek. Ah, ah, you can't find me. That's not what this is saying. Uh, Isaiah clearly says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to spend time with Yahweh. And I am going to look for him because his face, his ways are being offered but they're being offered in Satar. Do you see this? So when we get poetic and we hear these songs about seeking for God because he's hiding himself, you know, how long will you hide yourself? You know, a lot of times when that's said in the scripture, it's basically, you know what? It's, it's either a good thing where you're saying, I know you want to reveal a solution how long is it going to be before that solution comes? And you really can't put the screws to God and make him move before he wants to. But you need to wait on Yahweh, and you need to look for him. But the hiding of the face was more, 
hey, you people, I'm waiting for, for you all to, 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 um, to sitar, to, uh, to, to, to look for me in the way that I created you to find me, to, to sather. And they wouldn't do it. God hides himself. Read through all those scriptures that talk about God's hiding his face and recognize that he's talking to people who do not seem to want to submit their carnal nature to God and to become what God wants them to be. Do you see that? I I hope you do. Proverbs 25, and you knew we really had to bring Hezekiah into this. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. It is the glory of God to conceal, to sitar a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Now, it says verse 3 up there. I didn't change the top. You know, I rushed to put this together uh, to get over here to do it. Um, and I probably pulled up three and decided I didn't want to write three, and so I erased three but didn't adjust the top. So please forgive me. But it is the glory of God, the glory of Elohim, to sitar something, but the honor of kings to search it out. That right there is our word God's glory is revealed through this type of hidden thing. And um, if we're going to be his representatives, his kings and priests and prophets, we need to search it out. Um, you know, Prosh sang that sang song about his glory wouldn't share with another. We are not another. You know, it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. And, and that's true. I love, I love to hear his songs. I, I love them. But the key to this whole thing is you spending time with God and engaging in this capacity that God wants you to engage in. Now, let's stop here before we go to the last verse. And this is a challenge because... On the one hand, God wants us to develop this for our own selves. But on the other hand, there are those that become overwrought with it. And they think because God is telling them something that somehow they don't have to stay in rank. They don't, they don't, you know, I know what the leader's saying, but God's telling me something else. So I'm going to do what I want to do. You know what that is? That's not godly. That's rebellion. Do you know that God can be God's never going to tell you something if he if he has put you in a position, and if he has put you in a place that is seeking after God, and you know God put you there, then bless God, you're going to have to honor the directive of the leader. The leader is supposedly, hopefully, hearing from God. And you stay in rank. You don't be of double mind. You know how to keep rank. 
Over the years, I've heard people say, well, you know, I know that this is the word that pastor or the leader is given, but, you know, I'm feeling something else. I'm going to do this instead. That's rebellion. Everybody has a capacity to seek after God in this way. And if God has put you in a position, you be faithful in that position. And if if anything, if God's saying to you, you don't follow this leader anymore, then you need to prayerfully find your way to excise yourself from that. But you better be sure it's God. Because you may find your little Conestoga wagon far removed from the protection of the train. You better really make sure it's from God. I remember one time there years ago, there was a directive that was given, not by me, but by somebody else in authority here. And the guy that was entrusted to do something said, oh, I know that this is what I've been asked to do, but I don't feel like I'm supposed to do that. I'm going to do something else. Rebellion. I heard about it after the fact, and I have long regretted that I didn't go and call that person on it. It wasn't my, I told the person that they disobeyed, and I thought this is the order of authority. I'm not sure whether that individual went and reproved the guy or not. But there have been other times where I know I've heard from God and all the people are saying, okay, we're going to do this. And then some say, well, God's telling me this instead. That's rebellion. No, you, you no matter way you cut it, that is rebellion. That could have got you killed in the Old Testament. And, you know, the thing is that, you know, sometimes people think that because God's speaking to them in this biblical way that somehow they're different than everybody else. Oh, I've heard from God. You know, I, I know this. You know, the, the chin juts out and you think, well, you know, I've got I've got the edge because God loves me and um, I, I know that I'm hearing from Him. You know, and again, a lot of times I know that your own voice can imitate the voice of God. You say God's telling you something, but it's really not God. It's you. It's the voice of pride. It's the voice of fear. It's the voice of insecurity. It's the voice of lust. It's the voice of whatever. See, this Sather, this Satar, can, can rise up and do despicable things. Despicable you're just despicable. It can do wicked things or it can submit itself to God. So if you're seeking God and suddenly out of the depth of who you are, you hear from God, quote unquote, and it says, well, you know, this is what everybody else is doing under the directive of authority, but I've heard something else. It's quite likely that you need to purge yourself a little more. So I don't know what's got me off on this here at the end. But the point is, is that here it is. God can speak to you. He wants to speak to all of us creatively, romantically. He wants to hone this capacity within us. But God loves obedience better than sacrifice. You know, Saul, the king, is standing there. Samuel had given a prophetic word. And they were supposed to wait till Samuel come came. And seven days they waited. And then Saul got a little antsy. And remember the obedience is better than sacrifice verse. Um, you know, we need, to, we need to remember that 
no matter how powerful you are, what warrior you are, whether you're a king, whether you're a prophet, whatever you are, you, you have to be submissive to the place where God has called you. And you might be a voice of the enemy instead of a voice in God and not really know it. You might convince yourself that you're really hearing from God and nobody else is. What if you hear something from God and you really don't know whether the, the leader is hearing right? What do you do about that? Well, you honor the king. You pray. You go back before God and say, Father, I'm hearing this. And if the leader is not hearing this properly, I humbly ask that you would go and speak to him. And if it persists, you, there's a way that you can say things without being obnoxious or uh, trying to one-up the leader. It's like when Nathan, we quote, we referenced him earlier, when he came to David and told the story about the guy who had sheep and he went and stole the only sheep another guy had said, and David said, oh, that scoundrel. And Nathan said, you are the man. And there's a way to say something without contesting authority. But it begins in you surveying your own heart, you praying, and you, if, if, it, if, if it just becomes something that you believe is paramount, you go to the leader. But for the most part, you don't just go off on your own. You don't just say, well, I know better than him or her. You stay in authority. God values that more than the thing you think you're hearing from him. Do you, do you hear me? Do you understand? This, this is such a powerful capacity. And the enemy will try to twist it in any way he can. And he can try to make you think that because this thing is functioning in you, that somehow you've got an edge on everybody else. No, you don't, sweetheart. God created all of us with this capacity. And he wants us to find him. So, let's go to the last one. There's a contrast between the pouring out of God's Spirit and the, the hiding, the sitar. Ezekiel 39, verses 28 and 29. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them unto their own land, and have left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my Spirit upon the house of Israel, says the Lord God. And what's he saying here? Ezekiel's talking about the return of the people to the land from Babylonian captivity. And God says he's been hiding his face from them. But when the time comes when they're going to be returned and gathered, he's going to pour out his spirit. And at that point, it's just going to be an open, an open visitation. But God's not saying that he's not going to go back to what he does in darkness. He's not saying that he's not going to go back to what he does in, in, uh, in his tabernacle or in his kanaf or in what he created us to be. He's not doing away with the hiding myself. When there's a pouring out of the Spirit of God, that's kind of like an ali ali in free. You rejoice in it. But guess what, dear ones? At some point, God's going to say, okay, 
Now you're in. Here's what I've wanted from you all along. This is what I created you to be. This is what I do in the secret place of thunder. I want you to develop this for me. People are real good about not wanting to take responsibility and be developed. It's too hard, they say. They want to run from pouring out to pouring out. We had a pouring out when God birthed this movement. And thank God for it. It was open for everybody. God was opening the heavens. But it wasn't very long before he started trying to test these places. And iniquity began to rise up in some. Iniquity began to rise up in others. And, you know, God then began wanting us to to seek after him, to hear from him, to interpret, to intercede, and to pay the price. And lots of times, God wasn't pouring out anymore. But he was there. He was waiting for us to seek him, to find him in that secret place. There'd be some who would come, and they would come into the prayer time, and they'd say, oh, you know, I stayed for a little while, but I didn't feel God was doing anything, so I left. There were people that just loved to splash around in the river, but they don't want to learn how to swim. They don't want to go into the deep places. They don't know what to do when the river and the brook dries up, and the brook will dry up. What are you going to do when the river dries up? Well, I'm going to go find me another river. I'm going to get online and find where the visitation of the glory of God is. Well, Elijah didn't go looking for another brook. He went looking for a place that God had directed because he was hearing in secret. And so God says to Ezekiel, there's going to be a coming a time when with Zerubbabel and Joshua and uh, then Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, I'm going to be pouring out my spirit. I'm going to do amazing things. I've been hiding my face from these ones because that's why they got in the trouble they were in to begin with. They weren't seeking after me. So I'm going to pour my spirit out, but then believe you me, I'm going to be drawing people to know me in the hiding place, in the sather, in the sitar. So this is what God wants to develop in us. And I believe that with the number of people that God has been awakening Psalm 91 for, it's not just to deliver us from the noise and pestilence, although he is. It is wanting for us, he is wanting for us to develop that secret, that safer place in the secret place of thunder, in the stairs, in the hiding place of his tabernacle, in the kanaf, the place that God knew us from the foundation of the world. We were created for this. That's what he's wanting to develop. So I, I, I ask you, to develop a place in your home, to develop a place in your life. Uh, I started to establish one of these in a new place in my house. And I'm, I'm, I'm still praying, I'm seeking God, I'm studying, but I'm really serious about God developing this further in me. Build an altar somewhere in your home and re, re, go through these scriptures and you have bible concordances you have bible programs look up the other places where this is, word is used and instead of just doing the, the you know the whatever 
the doctrine of the songs you listen to, go into the depths of what this really means. Apply this definition and see what God is saying to you. He hides himself because he wants you to know him in this creative way. Purge away the things that are crafty. You know, people do this. I mean, I went to the grocery store the other day and there still wasn't any toilet paper on the shelves. You know, vast parts of the grocery store were just wiped clean. Things that were are perishable, just gone. And I thought, how in the world did bags of organic spinach disappear off the shelves? How in the world did broccoli disappear? That stuff isn't going to last. But yet people, they go and they hoard. That's, that's a, that is part of the darker shade of humanity. People are out for themselves. Uh, you know, I'm going to get mine kind of a thing. It's, I believe, a perversion of this capacity. We need to use this capacity to seek our God and to know we were made to do this and to partner with him in diversities of tongues and hearing his voice in the secret things that he's wanting to develop in us and that he's wanting to say to us, to show us how to pray and how to declare. This is a powerful rhema word. This is one of the most powerful rhema words I think I've ever received. And it's for this hour in a glorious way. You need to hear this and you need to apply it. Now, for the folks here at the Father's Church, I miss the fact that you're not able to come up here and pray. And really, I love you all. There are so many orders out there. They're changing day to day. You know, we were watching, Katie and I and Debbie were watching Judge Jenkins yesterday giving the, the latest report. He seems like a very godly mind, but Katie said, doesn't he remind you of big techs? And he does. It's funny. But I don't, I don't really want to break the laws. To me, this is a time where God has ordained for us to seek him in the secret place, to establish his dwelling place in your home. This place is fine. I'm coming up here to check the mail. I'm going to every portal, every place that, that I know in this sanctuary. The, the angels are here. They're ministering. But guess what? They're connecting with you where you are right now. So I'm sorry. There have been several who've asked, can I come up and pray? I really, at this point, would not encourage that because we want to... We want to, first of all, proactively do what God is affording in our house. And we're believing that God's going to lift this thing soon. I know what the projections are, but I also know what God said at the very beginning. You know, he, he's going to do something that is going to be astounding. And we're waiting on that. But for now, seek the Lord where you are. You know, and you know, here's another deal. I mean, I'm not, I'm believing the blood of Jesus, but I also know that there's a lot of different opinions in a lot of different households. And I know that some people are just out and about and they're fellowshipping with paisanos and everybody else that they see and they know. And then there are other people that are really trying to, to be clean and to use proper judgment. And I, I can't jurisdict between who's doing what. So I don't want, and we love everybody in our church, but I don't want you to come up here and plant your face in the carpet 
where somebody else may have planted their face in the carpet that's been out with everybody in their neighborhood. You know what I mean? We're believing God for his protection, but for many different reasons, for right now, we're going to keep trying to develop new ways to reach out to our own body and to the network. We're going to keep delivering Rhema Word, but just establish the covenant with God wherever you are, okay? The safer place is the place God is trying to develop in you right now, in you. And go before him and ask for his help. He created you this way. Plead the blood of Jesus and ask for God to cleanse you for ways that perhaps you have used this to do things that were not godly. And God forbid, we've all, we've all failed. If we say we're out without sin, we, we deceive ourselves. This thing is either fully committed to God or it's functioning in another way. Even if you may not be sinning, it may be doing things that are not really what God created it to do. So seek him. Know that you've been assigned to a key task in this moment, in the high places. Shaddai is teaching you. The glory of God is with you. Search out the hidden things that he's reserved for you. He's hiding his face, but it's not because he doesn't want you to find him. Do what Isaiah said. Wait on the Lord and know that hiding, you know, if God was really hiding, you'd never find him. Do you understand that? This is an invitation for that safer capacity in you to know God. And don't try to find where the river's running and where, you know, the Spirit's being poured out. You know what? If anybody's really hearing from God right now, it's this Sather thing. And I pray that God will bring all the saints into the depths of what he's trying to create within us, not create, refine within us what he's already created in us so that we might be used of him. This is what God wants. And I believe that he wants to establish that dwelling place in your home. He wants to meet with you in power. This is a word from God. So don't let the enemy say, oh, I'm secluded. I'm just so bored. I'm depressed. Don't do that. Know that God is with you, please. You're loved. Everybody has been being dealt a similar opportunity. You're not being singled out. Poor, poor you. Seek God. Make the most of this. We're going to emerge from it in power. And guess what? You pecking through the shell is going to cause you to burst forth into new life. The strength that you exhibit right now is going to carry you through in the field of battle. Well, you know, we don't. I don't want to be one that's lagging behind when God opens the territory for us to know this year of wisdom and what he's ordained because I wasn't strong during this period. Do you hear what I'm saying? Man, I'm really preaching tonight. Woo-wee! I pray God's blessing is upon you, but I do know that this is a word from God. So let's embrace it, and let's be what he wants us to be. Heavenly Father, I declare the blood of Jesus over every capacity in these saints, for my congregation and for our extended saints family. May the blood of Jesus remain 
strongly upon our lives, within us, upon our dwelling places. And may you preserve your people from the noisome pestilence, from the plague. But Lord, please, our most important imperative in this season is for us to understand you in this secret place and to commit what you created us to be into the hand of your heart and that we would fulfill in power as sons what you've created us to be. Dear God, let it be so. Well, you ask all of this in Jesus' name. Don't forget, amen. Don't forget, first Saturday prayer, that directive will be coming pretty soon if it is not already there. And um, we'll be, God willing, here for Sunday morning service. We'll be sending it out. And we are really praying about different ways that we can connect. Um, we've, we've been dealing with issues here with the Internet. Hopefully that's been resolved. But um, God's going to develop you in this season. Know that it is in His plan. And um, be, be of good courage and be confident. Because he that dwells in the Sather of El Elyon is going to abide under the shadow of of El Shaddai. That's your promise. God is with you. Thanks for tuning in. May God bless you.